Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. You're in Hebrews chapter number 11, but if you could turn with me to Exodus, Exodus chapter number 11, we're going to spend the rest of our time here this morning in the Word of God looking at the book of Exodus. But we see here in Hebrews chapter number 11, by faith the people of Israel, Moses and the others, obeyed God's command and were protected from certain destruction. That's what verse number 28 was saying. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. If you're familiar with the ten plagues of Egypt, you know that the, the Passover happened during the last one. But the first nine, there were some pretty terrible plagues, weren't there? I mean, beginning with the, the, the Nile River turning into blood. And you have all of the other plagues. You have the flies. You have the frogs. You have the hail. You have the boils all over everyone. Darkness over the whole land for three days. There were nine terrible plagues and they were destructive plagues i mean they were losing their crops they were losing their flocks i mean they were it was a terrible terrible time for the people of egypt they were losing life and they were losing all sorts of different things all of them were devastating all of them were terrible but the last one by far was the worst there were 10 plagues the tenth one was this, the death of the firstborn of every family. The death of the firstborn of every family. It's interesting because this morning we had a baby dedication, amen, and I didn't plan for this message and the dedication to be lined up this way, but I mean, our children, aren't they not the most precious that we have? I mean, those are the gifts of God that are irreplaceable. And here is this plague that is going to come upon the land of Egypt. Every family would lose their firstborn. No matter their education level, every family would lose their firstborn. Those that had no education, those that were the most educated, all of them would lose their firstborn. Didn't matter your wealth standing. You had nothing to your name. Or you were the richest individual in all of the land of Egypt, you were going to lose your firstborn. It didn't matter what land you came from. It didn't matter uh, who your parents were. It didn't matter your social standing. It didn't matter. Everyone from the top of Pharaoh all the way down to the least of the land would lose their firstborn. Unless they kept the Passover. Unless. They obeyed the word of God, put their trust in him, and say, we know what is coming. But God, we trust in you that you'll protect us. So we'll follow you. I mean, what a wonderful picture. I mean, if you see the Passover, there's a great picture of salvation and sacrifice and deliverance by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What they were supposed to do at the Passover was they were supposed to take a lamb, a young male lamb with no blemish spotless just like our savior jesus christ amen he was sinless he was spotless 
And that was the picture that was there. And they were to take that spotless lamb and sacrifice it in order to protect the people within the home. They were to take the blood and they were to put it upon the doorposts of the house. So, of course, you would have the doorposts here. They were supposed to strike it on both sides and also at the top. And, of course, knowing that the lamb was the picture of our Savior Jesus Christ, we also see the picture of the cross that is formed by the blood stains that are on the doorposts. And we see the sacrifice that was given by our Savior Jesus Christ that was given for us to save us, to protect us from certain destruction. And we see also that these people, they lived by faith, trusting God to protect their firstborn. If you and I want to live by faith, then we need to trust God with that which is most precious and valuable to us. Because God can protect our most precious better than we can. God can protect our most precious, our most valuable better than we can. If you go to the bank, they have these things called uh, security boxes or safety deposit boxes or something like that, right? You know what I'm, you're familiar with this, right? You go to a bank, and they have a section that's within the safe, and uh, you basically pay monthly to be able to say, I want this little box. And you get a little key, and you get to put whatever it is that you want in there. And depending on the, the kind of valuables that you might have, you might put different things in there. A lot of people put very important documents that they would put in there, right? They might put birth certificates and some other important documents that they might have, some other valuable things they might have. Sometimes people even put a family heirloom within the safety deposit boxes and things like that. And uh, maybe you have a lot of precious jewels. You, would, you may even put those in there. But whatever it is that is valuable to you, you would put into that box, lock it away, and secure it. Now, why would anybody do that? Why would you put your most valuable things in a, in a safety deposit box? Well, you do it because you trust that the bank could protect those things better than you could. Right? You would trust that it's probably harder to rob a bank than it is to rob my house. Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty strong guy, amen? And anybody would have a very difficult time getting anything out of my house, amen? But a bank is slightly more secure. Just slightly, right? And that's why we put those kinds of things in banks, because we trust them, because they secure them, because we say, you know what, this is so valuable, I need to make sure that it doesn't get stolen, that it doesn't get destroyed. Where could I put this so that it would be the most safe? And for many, the answer is in a bank. They have a huge safe. They have a system. They have guards. They have all of these different uh, uh, things that are there to protect our valuables. So I'm going to put my things in the bank. And what God is asking of you and me this morning is, whatever it is that is your most valuable, your most precious, your most treasured, give it over to God. Trust that God will be able to protect that better than you can. I mean, this morning with the baby dedication, as much as I want to secure a good life for my children, I know that God could provide better than I could. 
I know that God can protect better than I can. I know that God can do more for them than I can. And so even though God has entrusted these children with me, God is asking me to say, hey, would you trust me with your children? I know you love your children. I know you value your children. But would you put your trust in me? Because God can protect your children better than you can. God can protect everything in your life better than you can. He can protect your marriage better than you can. He can protect your future better than you can. He can protect your family better than you can. Living by faith means trusting God to protect our most valuables. And this morning, I want to take a look at three actions for every believer in living by faith, enlarging our tents, and trusting God with our lives, with our families, with our relationships, with our wealth, everything, we're going to entrust it over to God. Number one, I see that we must be realizing of a difference. We must be realizing of a difference. In Exodus chapter number 11, if you're there, you can turn there now. And Moses is speaking to Pharaoh, and he's telling Pharaoh exactly what's going to happen. In the verse leading up to verse number 7, he's describing, all right, at midnight, this is going to happen. All of the firstborn shall die. Pharaoh, your firstborn will die. The firstborn of all of the maidservants, everybody will die. And there will be a great cry throughout all of the land. And in verse number 7, the Bible says, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast. He's saying that, all right, in the land of Egypt, all of the firstborns will die, but not among the children of Israel. And he says this very, very important phrase, that ye, Moses is speaking, and he's talking to Pharaoh. He's talking to Pharaoh, and he's talking to all the people of Egypt, really, that ye may know. Why is God going to do this thing and, and protect and, and to have a difference here between the people of Egypt and the people of Israel? That ye, Pharaoh, you and all of you may know how that the Lord doth put, does put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. If we are going to put our trust in, in, in God, we need to realize that there is a difference. There's a difference between the people of God and the people of the world. There is a difference between a child of God and somebody who has not yet been born again. There's a difference, amen? There's a big difference. We have a different family, amen? I'm grateful for my family. And we as a believers, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Those that are lost cannot claim me as their brother. Not that they would want to, amen? But, you know, they can't do that. Hey, we have a different father, amen? I have a heavenly father who is the creator of the world. He created everything that you see. He made me and all of you. He is the sustainer of life. He is my savior. He died on the cross for me. He gives me uh, the blessings. We know that God rains down the blessings upon the just and the unjust. We know that God is good and, and that is my father. We have a different family. We have a different father. We have different priorities. As Christians, we have different priorities than those that are lost, amen? We have different priorities. 
We put things in a different order from those that are lost. We have a different priority because we're different people. Because we're different people, we think differently. We prioritize differently. Hey, the people of the world, what are they going to prioritize? The things of this world, amen? They're going to prioritize the things of this world. But we as Christians, what do we do? We lay up ourselves treasures in heaven because we know that's where we're going to be. So that's what our priority is. We prioritize things differently. Hey, the lost might prioritize the pleasures of this world. Oh, we got to go see everything. We got to go do everything. We have to go experience everything. Otherwise, you haven't lived the fullest of this life. And God says there is nothing in this world that is better than heaven. Hey, there's nothing greater than, uh, that's here on earth that is greater, that is not, uh, the things that are in heaven are better and greater than the things that are here on earth. We're going to have so much greater joy in heaven. Why live for this world when God is offering us so much better? We are a different people. We have a different future. Those of us that are saved, when we die, where do we go? We go to a place called heaven, amen? We go to a place called heaven. Do you realize that? We have a guarantee that when we die, we're going to go to a place of sinless perfection. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he will be there. There will be no sin. There will be no sorrow. There will be no tears. Hey, there are going to be the streets paved with gold, and there's going to be, you know, the tree of life, and there's going to be all of the saints throughout all of the ages that are going to be there. That's who we get to be with. That's where we're going to be. That's our future, amen? Those that are lost are not going to go there, though. They could go there if they put their trust in Jesus Christ. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everybody to be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They could be saved. But until they are saved, they have a different destination. We have a different nature within us. We are new creatures. We have the spirit that lives within us. And yes, there is a battle. We still have the flesh, just like every other person, lost or saved. But those that are saved, we have the spirit. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And that makes us different. And that makes, means we live different. And we have the Holy Spirit who moves within us and says, hey, you, better, you, you should stop doing that, amen? And we better respond to the Spirit, amen. I'm going to stop doing that. We have the Holy Spirit that says, hey, I want you to talk to that person. Invite that person to your church. Tell them about the gospel. Tell them about a, a God who loves them, who died on the cross for them. Hey, there's a difference between lost and saved. And God is trying to show that difference to Pharaoh. Did you read the verse? Read the verse again. It says in verse number 7, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. God wants to show the world there's a difference between lost and saved. Because there's a big difference between lost and saved. There's a different destination. There's a different family. There's a different fellowship. There's a different future. There's so many differences. And God wants to show the world you're on the wrong side. You're going to the wrong place. You have the wrong father. 
You want God as your father, not the devil. You want heaven to be your future, not hell. Hey, why, why don't you go over to this side? God wants to show a difference. It reminds me in the book of Acts about this time that, that Paul and Silas, they're in prison. They were in prison together. They were preaching the gospel. And people didn't like uh, what they did with this uh, woman. And, and uh, they cast a demon out of her. And they didn't like that. They brought them in and they put them in jail. They beat them. They whipped them. And they were there in the prison. And they were doing what at midnight? They were singing. Who sings after they've been beaten and put in prison at midnight in the stocks? Who sings victory in Jesus? Who sings that? Saved people do. Saved people have a joy in their heart that no matter what happens, they can be joyful. And you know what happened? The jailer, after the, the doors were all open, went up to those people and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He was the one who approached them and asked them, why did he do that? Because he saw a difference. He saw a difference. As a jailer, he would have seen a lot of prisoners come through the prison, amen? He would have seen a lot of people come through. And he would be like, yeah, I know the prisoners. I know what they're all like kind of group them all together in his mind and say, you know, I know every prisoner, they're like this, they're going to say this, and, and uh, you know, it's just like water off a duck's bag. You can say whatever you want, it doesn't matter. You know, I know what the, the way that all prisoners are like. And then Paul and Silas walk in. They're beaten. They go into the innermost part of the prison. They're put in the stocks. And the jailer hears something out of these prisoners that he's not heard from any other prisoner. He hears singing. And you know what? That worked on his heart. He said, they got something that I don't. They're different from all the other prisoners. There's something different about them. And we as believers, if we're going to live by faith, we need to realize there's a difference. So let's not follow their example. Amen? Being different means we can live different. We live different because we are different. So we as believers, we need to realize that there is a difference. And sometimes Christians, they follow the way of the world. They see what all of their friends are doing and the way that they live their lives and how they enjoy themselves and, and the entertainment that they watch and the way that they please the, the flesh and, and do all of these things. And we as believers need to realize there's a difference between them and us. Living by faith means, hey, there's a difference. I'm not going to follow their example because I'm not like them and they're not like, they're not like me. They're lost. They have a different, uh, 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 they don't have a, 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 the same father as me. They don't have the same destination as me. Why would I follow them? Hey, Christian, don't let the world be your guide. Follow the word of God because you're different. You're different. So let's be different, and let's show a difference to the world. Verse number 22 says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. God made us different so that we would make a difference. Let's be different. Amen? I'm not talking about being weird, all right? Some of you are hesitating, like, oh, does that mean i got to be weird? No, you don't, that doesn't mean that. But let's be different. 
Let's follow God and say, it doesn't matter what you do or you do. It doesn't matter what my friends do. It doesn't matter what my lost family does. Hey, this is what is right. I'm going to do what is right. Number two, be ready for deliverance. Living by faith means being ready for deliverance. So there was some instruction that was given to the children of Israel about killing the lamb, about the sacrifice, about the blood on the doorpost, about eating bitter herbs and, and all of these different things. And, and I, I want to look at verse number 11, Exodus chapter 12 now. If you have your Bibles open, Exodus chapter 12, verse number 11. There's one final instruction that is given to the children of Israel, and the instruction is this. And thus shall ye eat it. This is how I want you to eat it. All right? God cares about the specifics. Amen? He tells them not just what to eat. He tells them how they're supposed to eat it. Okay, God. All right, I know what I'm supposed to eat. I know how I'm supposed to cook it. I know how I'm supposed to eat it. I know how I'm not supposed to leave it till the morning. I know all of these things. Now you're going to tell me how to eat it. Okay, how do we eat it? With your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Remember, it's the Lord's Passover. The Lord gets to decide what to do and how to do it. It is the Lord's. And he tells them how to eat it. There's a specific dress code for coming to this meal and eating it in a particular way. He says, with your loins gird. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it means this. In that day and age, everybody wore robes. They wore robes. Men, women, children, everybody. Everybody wore robes. That was the, what they wore in the day and age. It's fine. I'm not going to wear a robe, but that's what they wore. Now, wearing a robe as you walk around is fine. You're just walking around your house, it's fine. You're walking around town, it's fine. You want to sit down for a meal, it's fine. But there are certain times when robes get in the way, right? If you're cleaning and picking up after your children, robes are going to get in the way, right? If you get down and you're trying to pick up something and pick up another thing and pick up another thing, then you might step on your robe, right? You might trip over your robe, right? If you're out in the field, Right? Or you're out in nature. You don't want a big flowing robe that will get caught on different things. So what do you do? You would tie it up. You would have your loins to be girded. So you would take the hem of your robe and you would pick it up and you would kind of wrap it around your body. And, and uh, you might tie it together or you might stick it into your belt so that it would not hang on the ground. It would kind of be up. It would be a little bit tighter. It would give you a little bit more freedom. It would not uh, be in a way that would get caught on different things. And it's, it's something that you would do when you were about to go to work. If you were going to go into battle, then of course you would not want any loose things hanging around or any possible way of tripping and falling. It's, it's a symbol of I'm getting ready for something serious. I'm getting ready for something. And the Bible says that they were to have their loins girt. Hey, don't eat this casually. Eat this ready. Be prepared. He also said that they were to eat with their shoes on their feet. Now, for some of you, that may not make a difference. But for me, every time I walk into my home, I take off my shoes. Take off my shoes at the entrance. And, uh, and when I leave, I put on my shoes and I go out. 
all right? Different people might do it differently, but for them, obviously, this was not really a custom that they might do it that way. And so I imagine that for them, it would be just like, hey, when you eat your dinner tonight, I want you to leave your shoes on and eat your dinner with your shoes on. That would be distinctly different, all right? Because in my home, I'm just there, relaxing, lounging, whatever. But if I have my shoes on, what does it mean? It means I'm getting ready to leave. It means I'm getting ready to get out. And you know what God is trying to tell them? Get ready to get out. Get ready, you're going to leave. Get ready, you're not going to stay here. Get ready, your time in Egypt is almost over. Get ready. I'm going to deliver you. Hey, have your shoes on. Have your staff in your hand. All right? Most of us, when we take a walk, we usually don't have a staff or anything. But there's one place where if you go there, you probably see a number of people having some sort of a staff-like thing in their hand if you go on a long hike, right? You ever go out into nature and you're on these long hikes? You know, it's a, you know, a couple miles long hike. What do you see? You know, different people as they're on this hike. But a lot of times you'll see some people with what? These poles, right? They have these poles, these staffs, and they use them on the hike. Why do you need a staff? Hey, if you're just taking a, a walk around the corner, you don't need a staff, right? If you're walking on smooth ground, you don't need a staff. Why would you need a staff? You might need a staff if you're getting ready to go on a long journey. You know what God is trying to tell these people? Get ready to get out and get ready to get moving. You're going to go on a long journey. Hey, you're not going to stick around close to this area. I'm taking you all the way to the promised land. And God is trying to, in this time, tell them, be ready. Be ready. When you eat the meal, be ready. Because you're going to leave. You're going to get out. I'm going to deliver you. And you're going to have a long journey ahead of you. So get ready for all of these things. And, and we as believers need to have a ready mindset. We need to have a ready mindset. You know, baseball season just started. Where are my Dodgers fans here? <laughs> Where's Brother Mike, all right? All right, Dodgers fans here, right? Baseball season started, right? Some of you are big baseball fans. Some of you maybe never watched a baseball game in your life, but if you ever watch a baseball game, I want you, who've never seen it before, I want you to look at what we call the infielders, right? The people out in the field standing on the dirt. That's usually where they stand. They're called the infielders. And the pitcher is there on the mound, he takes the ball, he gets ready, and he delivers the ball to home plate. As he gets ready to do that, if you get a chance, I want you to see what the infielders do. Because the infielders, they're not just kind of standing around or whatever. They get into a ready position. They're not standing on the, balls, uh, on, on the heels of their feet. They stand on the balls of their feet, ready to move in any direction. They're not just kind of, you know, whatever, putting their glove like this, you know, just kind of talking with the guy over there. They get their glove in front, ready to go in case the ball comes to them. They stand there. Every single time that the pitcher gets ready to throw the ball, they get there, ready. The ball might come my way. I got to be ready for it. It might come this way. I got to be ready. If it goes over here, I got to be ready to move this way. If it goes over there, I got to be ready to move over this way. I got to be ready. If, if the ball comes my way, I got to be in the right position, get the ball pick up the ball with my throwing hand and throw it over to first base. I got to be ready. We as Christians, we need to be in a ready position. 
hey, we can't be casual and just, you know, just kind of chatting around with everybody, just relax. And the ball comes our way and say, oh, I, I didn't know. I wasn't ready. Yeah, of course you weren't ready. That's why God said, get ready. God says, hey, let's be ready. Acts chapter 17, verse number 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. There's a group of people that were more noble in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Hey, when you hear the word of God, get ready to hear the word of God. Amen? When you come to church every single Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, whenever you open up your Bible for your devotions, get ready to get the word of God. Hey, come with the right mindset. All right, that's why I encourage people to come on time to the services. Because I understand how busy it is. I have two kids, one newborn. I understand the craziness of the morning sometimes. It happens. And that's just, that's just normal in the way of life. And sometimes when you walk in, you're thinking about, you know, my kid has been crying in the car seat on the way over, and, and uh, you know, my kid spilled something, i got to clean it up. And, and you have all of these different things going on in your mind, and you get to church, and then, and then you're, you're still thinking about all of that. But when you come to church on time, we sing a couple of songs, amen? Why do we sing the songs? You know what? There's a lot of things that are going on in our minds. But hey, let's put those things aside for a moment, and let's get our eyes focused on God. Hey, let's get our minds ready. Hey, let's get in the ready position to receive the word of God. Acts chapter 21, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Hey, Paul was ready to say, you know what? If this is the end of my life, I'm ready for it. I've done all that I can. I live my fullest for the Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Romans chapter 1, verse 15, for as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Hey, here was Paul. He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel no matter where it is. Hey, if it's in Rome, I'll preach it there. If it's Jerusalem, I'll preach it there. If it's in Athens, I'll preach it there. I'm ready no matter when I go to preach the gospel. Hey, let's be ready to preach the gospel. Amen? Let's be ready. Hey, sometimes that means a little bit of preparation. Sometimes being ready means to be prepared. And let me encourage you, maybe you want to take some gospel invitations with you throughout the week. Because you never know when God might say, I want you to talk to that person. And you say, oh, I, I, I'm not ready, I'm not prepared. Hey, let's grab some invitations, let's leave them in our cars. I have some in my cars, right there in the door side, you know, there's a little, you know, compartment there. I have a bunch of invitations there. I leave invitations in different places. I have a Bible that I take around if I go visit somebody or if I'm meeting somebody outside. I have a Bible that I usually take with me. I have invitations in there. So that when the Lord says, I want you to talk to that person, we're ready. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? You know, you're at In-N-Out standing in line or whatever. You know, you just have a short conversation and say, hey, I want to invite you to my church. Hey, you ever been to church? Oh, you don't go to church right now. Hey, I'd love for you to come to my church. Hey, in fact, let me, let me show you where it is. It's right by the Sam's Club. Right, Artesia and Normandy, it's right there. Hey, you could, it's very easy to find. I'd love for you to come to church. Hey, you should come to church. How about this Sunday? You have a conversation with them. Then you tell them about the gospel. Hey, you know what? In fact, more important than even coming to my church is knowing for sure where you're going to be when you die. Hey, if God were to take your life today, do you know where you would go? Are you going to heaven? 
Usually people say, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. I think I'm going to heaven. And I ask them, well, that's pretty good. I, why are you so sure? Or how, how, do you, how do you know? And they give different answers. And, and if their answer is anything other than I put my trust in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then I say, well, let me show you what the Bible says. I take that invitation. There's a couple verses on there. Maybe depending on their background or their conversation, I might open up my Bible and show them different verses. I have my smartphone. I have a Bible app on my smartphone, so I can look up verses there as well. Hey, let's be ready to give the gospel. Titus chapter 3, verse number 1. Put them in mind, be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. 1 Peter chapter 3 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Are you getting the idea? We need to be ready. You never know when God's going to bring somebody your way. You never know when at work somebody's going to ask you a question. Hey, you know, uh, I know that you've been talking about going to church and stuff like that. You know, there's a situation in my family or there's a situation, you know, uh, what, do you, what advice do you have? What are you going to say? Usually, if they come to me with something, I usually always take it, try to maybe give some biblical advice, and then I give them the gospel. I say, really, the main problem is you need to be saved. You need to be saved. Hey, you might have all your, all your financial situation solved, but if you die and go to hell, it doesn't matter. You need to be saved. Hey, you might have all of this, you know, you might climb the corporate ladder and everything seems great, but if you die and go to hell, it doesn't matter. You need to be saved. Hey, we need to be ready. Hey, let's be ready Christians, amen? Hey, when we come on Sunday morning, let's be ready at 9.30, amen? Ready to sing, ready to receive the word of God, amen? All right, not as many amens, all right? <laughs> but we're we're going to work on that, right? But let's be ready. Let's be ready when we're at work to, to give a witness. Hey, when we're at home with our families, let's be ready to give some godly principles to them, to teach them what God has to say. Deuteronomy chapter 6 makes that very clear. When thou liest down, when thou risest up, when you're in your house, when you're walking by the way, hey, be ready to teach the commands and word of God. We need to be ready. We need to realize that there's a difference. Hey, if we're going to put our faith and trust in God, you as a believer need to realize you're different. So live different. We need to be ready for deliverance, trusting God. If God said it, we got to be ready for it. Thirdly, though, be remembering of that day. Exodus chapter 12, verse number 17. And ye shall, you will, observe. Ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. God gives the commandment as he tells them, tonight you're going to do the Passover. And every year after this, you're going to do the Passover. Because it's going to be a celebration. Right? We have certain days of celebration. Right? We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate anniversaries. You know, here at the church, and personally, we might celebrate Christmas or Thanksgiving. Fourth of July, 
kind of a big day here in America, celebrate these kinds of things because of what happened in the past, right? We celebrate Christmas. Why? Because that's the day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. We celebrate the 4th of July. That's when the Declaration of Independence was written. We celebrate my birthday. Not we. I celebrate my birthday. All right? I kind of made it like, hey, we're all going to celebrate this thing together. But I'm going to celebrate my birthday. And you are invited to celebrate with me because I was born on a certain day, you know, three over three decades ago. Hey, this is a big day for me. I remember that day. And I celebrate that day. And others that are close to me, we celebrate that day and other days. But God is telling them to celebrate. I want you to put on your calendar next year, you're going to celebrate something that hasn't even happened yet. Right? It's somebody who's like saying, you know, next year we're going to celebrate winning the, the Super Bowl before they even won the Super Bowl. They would say, why are, you, why are you writing that in your calendar? You haven't even played the Super Bowl yet. You haven't even won the Super Bowl yet. And some Superman will say, oh, but I know that we're going to win the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, you, they, they live to regret it. You know, we've all seen the people who put tattoos. Hey, you know, a championship or whatever. And then they lose the Super Bowl, right? You know, and everybody remembers that. Oh, yeah, what, what a fool, <laughs> you know? Thought that they were going to win. And now he has something to remind him of his foolishness each and every day. But God is telling them, next year, you're going to celebrate something that today you have not yet seen happen. That's trust. That's the way salvation is. Salvation is God giving us his promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't go to heaven and come back. You put your trust in God that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Now, we know that there are some evidences. God gives us the Holy Spirit. Amen? There's some evidence there. We understand all of these things. But we don't get to go to heaven and check it out and say, hey, how did you get to heaven? How did you get to heaven? How did you get to heaven? Oh, okay, you did this, this. Oh, okay, all right. I know that this is how people get to heaven. We haven't talked to anybody in heaven. We put our trust in the word of God. And I believe that if we are going to continue to grow as Christians, we need to continue to put our trust in God. And that will help us to, when we remember what God did for us in the past. When we remember God died on the cross for me, he loves me. When we remember, you know what, there was this time that God came through for me. I put my trust in him. I wasn't sure, maybe at the time, maybe I wasn't fully confident, but I felt like this is what God wanted me to do. So I, I just went for it, and God came through for me. The next time God says, here, this is what I want you to do, it'll help you to put your trust in him. We should remember the sacrifice of Christ. Never forget the sacrifice of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, This do in remembrance of me. We partake of the Lord's Supper, those of us that are members here of this church, and we take the, the bread, and we take the juice, and we, we partake of it in remembrance of God's sacrifice for us. It's good for us to remember what Christ did for us. But don't forget the sacrifice of Christ. Remember the sacrifice of Christ. Remember the way of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into 
remembrance of my ways which be in Christ. Hey, remember the ways of Christ. Paul was exemplifying the ways of Christ. And he's saying, remember what I did, which was the way of Christ. Remember that. Keep that. Keep doing it. Hey, why do we have the, the recordings of the Gospels? And why do we have these epistles? Why do we have all of these letters? They were given to us as an example, an example for us. Hey, let's remember the way of Christ. And let's also remember the people of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Paul never forgot about Timothy. Paul never forgot about him. He kept praying for him night and day, every day. Every morning he would wake up and he would pray for Timothy. Every night before he went to sleep he would pray for Timothy. He would wake up the next morning and pray for him again. He would constantly keep him in his memory, remembering. Hey, remember your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, on Wednesday nights, we have a prayer sheet where we, we take it and people write the request down. You know, just throw it aside. Let's take it. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters. Hey, throughout the week, just think about those that are in your Life Connection class. Just pray for them. Ask for God's blessings on them. God, I don't know what's going on in their life. Maybe, uh, maybe everything's great. Maybe there's some things that are going on that I don't know about. But God, would you give them your grace? God, give them your grace. Or maybe there's something that they shared with you. They say, you know, there, there's something that's going on in my life or a big decision is coming up. Could you pray? You know, I'm not really sure exactly what God would have for me. Pray for me. Pray for my family or pray for this decision. Hey, remember your brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, let's be a remembering Remember, again, this was all about the protection of the firstborn by faith. Let's obey the word of God, knowing that God can protect better than we can. Let's be ready. And let's remember. And let's realize that there's a difference. Let's not follow the way of the world, 